This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We uh, we promise a lot on this show, and, and I think generally we deliver. Um, every so often we'll talk about a topic we'd like to return to, and Many weeks ago, we talked about this um, this uh, relay for the Bay Swim, which took place in September. We're going to talk to the organizer of that event, Jeff Russell, in our second segment today. A a worthy cause, an interesting event, and that'll be fun. Stay tuned for that. But let's begin this program as we like to do with On This Date in History, the date in question today being the 12th of November. It was on November 12th in 1660 that the English Puritan preacher John Bunyan was arrested and sentenced to jail for unauthorized, nonconformist preaching. While in prison, he wrote the Puritan classic, Pilgrim's Progress. I remember some years ago reading a poll of uh, English students who were asked, which is the most boring of all the classics of literature? As I recall, the winner in a landslide was Pilgrim's Progress. Never read it myself and... With any luck, that record will stay intact. On this date in 1794, four months after Maximilien Robespierre's execution, the Reign of Terror, in which more than 17,000 opponents of the French Revolution were executed, officially came to an end. On this date in 1799, Andrew Endicott Douglas witnessed the Leonid meteor shower from a ship off the Florida Keys. More correctly, what Mr. Douglas witnessed was a full-blown meteor storm. The annual Leonid Meteor Shower, which takes place next week. In fact, next Monday night, the night of the 16th, 17th, should be pretty interesting. There may even be uh, something approaching a meteor storm. Meteor storm, of course, is when instead of giving the 60 to 100 meteors per hour rate of of a good good display, you get something like 1,000 or maybe 10,000 or sometimes even multiples of that. In 1999, uh, there was a particularly good display where it, it approached 1,000 an hour, which works out to about a meteor every four seconds. That, that was quite, uh, quite, quite cool, and there's some talk of the, the fact that we may get an unusually good display this Monday night, so stay tuned for that. If the weather holds out and you go out after midnight and look to the east, you should see a few meteors. Speaking of space, it was on this date in 1980, after more than three years in space, the planetary probe Voyager 1 flew within 77,000 miles of the planet Saturn. Photos beamed the almost 1 billion miles back to uh, California, JPL, showed that uh, Saturn has not six, but actually hundreds of rings. In fact, Saturn's largest ring was just discovered last month. We'll talk about that later in the show. Our quote of the day comes from the the legendary Iron Chancellor of Germany, Otto von Bismarck, who once said, Never believe anything in politics until it has been officially denied. Our quip of the day comes from humorist Robert Benchley, one of our all-time favorites, who once said, Drinking makes such fools of people, and people are such fools to begin with, that it's compounding a felony. Our statistic of the day is as follows. I thought of this one because the moon is in its uh, final quarter, which means that when you see it at night, it's where the Earth is headed. It's more or less parallel to us facing the sun, where we're going to be in X amount of time. Our stat of the day is how much time it takes 
for the Earth to cover that distance between where the moon is and where we'll be in place of the moon a certain amount of time in the future. We're going to save that one for the end of the segment. Our joke of the day is as follows. Four friends who hadn't seen each other in decades reunite at a party. After several drinks, one of the men goes off to the restroom. First guy left says, you know, my son started out working in a company and used his degree in economics to climb the ladder of the corporation. Now he's president. He's so rich, he gave his best friend a Mercedes for his birthday. Second guy says, my son started as a pilot working for the airlines. He's a partner now. He's so well off, he gave his best friend an airplane for his birthday. Third guy says, well, my son became an engineer, started his own construction company. He's now so prosperous that when his best friend had a birthday last week, he gave him a 6,000 square foot mansion. Three guys drink a toast as the fourth guy returns and says, why the congratulations? Said, we're talking about our sons. What about your boy? Well, said the man, he's gay, and he earns a living dancing as a stripper. Dead silence. Man says, I'm not ashamed. He's my son, and, and I love him. And, you know, really, he hasn't done too bad. He recently had a birthday, and he got a Mercedes, a plane, and a 6,000-square-foot mansion from his three boyfriends. Hey, hey. And yes, we did clear that joke with our gay rights correspondent who thought it was pretty funny. And uh, speaking of pretty funny, I think we ought to launch into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for honesty. After a Wisconsin woman called 911 to report a drunken driver, whom she identified as herself. Police said Mary Stray, 49, told the dispatcher, I've been drinking all night long and I don't want to hurt anybody. And we believe that it was a bad week earlier this month when it was announced that Hall & Oates that 1980s pop duo, duo responsible for such hits as Maneater and Private Eyes will release its first box set, Do What You Want, Be Who You Are, the music of Daryl Hall and John Oates. And we will resist the temptation to play a musical bumper featuring the duo. And finally, it was kind of an ugly week last week for financial planning. When it was revealed that Sacramento real estate investor Beltran Moros Jr., was offering to share his financial acumen in a real estate seminar. This three months after filing for Chapter 7 bankruptcy protection. No, did, did Jim Wasserman in the Sacramento Bee. Bankruptcy court uh, in Sacramento in August showed that he owes $86 million, but has only $54 million. Adding that Morris didn't respond to a telephone call about his weekend invested sem investment seminar dubbed Belton's Real Estate Investor Boot Camp. All right, let's do the only in America file. I got a mailing uh, on Tuesday from the Republican National Committee. When we first started doing this program, God, was it almost eight years ago? I used to say, as a registered Republican, 
And at the time, it was true. I did change my registration to Republican for a while, specifically so I could vote against George W. Bush in the California primary. Maybe that's how they got my name. But I love the way it opened. Dear friend, you and I have the power to stop the Obama agenda, but we must work together and act quickly. They apparently want me to send back a survey within the next 10 days. The document looked very official. It said right at the top, official Republican Party document. Do not destroy. I guess if you do, Dick Cheney comes and knocks on your door. I don't know. But here's some sample questions. I I hope you enjoy them as much as I did. Question number one. Do you believe that Barack Obama has a mandate to forego all public debate, ignore political opposition, and use his allies in Congress to force immediate passage of his radical liberal agenda? I answered yes. Second question. Do you believe that Congress should undertake a public investigation of the Obama administration's attempt to gather information and the names of American citizens who publicly oppose their health care reform efforts? I said no. Third question was, do you believe that it is inevitable the United States will, quote, evolve, unquote, into a European-style socialist state? I said, what the hell, and marked, yes. Anyway, I decided to fill out the survey and send it back to the Republicans with a check for three cents. You know, I do have to feel sorry for sane Republicans, of which there are quite a few. Article in Nation magazine by Alana Levinson talking about uh, the worries of young Republicans. Quoted Derek Turner, communications director of the Columbia University College Republicans, expressing dissatisfaction with the party, saying there are far too many times when I'm embarrassed of the Republican Party. It's definitely in disarray. We're in the midst of soul-searching. Unfortunately, noted the article's writer, this soul-searching has played out on the national stage in which the Republicans with the loudest, most reactionary voices seem to be making the strongest impressions. Speaking of reactionaries, apparently Sarah Palin's new book is now available on Amazon for $9, including shipping. Our L.A. correspondent Don reported, sadly, I suspect this is true, that uh, the advanced sales for Sarah Palin's book make it history's greatest nonfiction bestseller. I'm hoping somehow that's wrong. And we've said it before, we'll say it again on this program. We feel very strongly that if someone is going to write a book, they should read one first. All right, it didn't happen today, but uh, 20 years ago this week, the Berlin Wall came down. It's a fascinating story. And unfortunately, it's been relegated, like most of the important stories in the press, to like page A8. But what I find fascinating is while the Soviet Union was reeling and, uh, and basically imploding in the late 80s, uh, our intelligence agencies here in the U.S. talked about the Russians like they were 10 feet tall. They apparently missed the fact that uh, <laughs> things were in big trouble in the Soviet Union. And of course, such, such crack analysts from the Soviet division of, of our spy agencies included Robert Gates, now heading the Defense Department, and uh, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, two old Russia hands. I don't know, I've got a little piece of the Berlin Wall in my uh, in display cabinet in the living room, and uh, it's kind of a cool thing that that, uh, that uh, great symbol of totalitarianism uh, is now just rubble. I think I mentioned last year when I made a trip to Berlin that it uh, was curious that... Uh, 
the signs on uh, the locations where the wall used to be near Checkpoint Charlie were written in English, German, French, Italian even, and usually not in Russian. Yes, there still are some hard feelings. Something does need to be said, and I think we'll say it in this program, about this, this, this folklore that has arisen, that the Berlin Wall came down because Ronald Reagan spent money on Star Wars. In fact, a German writer, Malte Lemming, writing in Der Tagesspiel, uh, was decrying the fact that uh, Mikhail Gorbachev seemed to be getting all the credit for tearing down the wall. This author, who appears to be rather misinformed, claims that uh, Gorby was not the person responsible for the collapse of the Soviet Union. Ronald Reagan was. Citing that moment in 1982 when he gave his famous Evil Empire speech, Reagan worked clearly and farsightedly to bring the empire down. Well, he does get credit for saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And personally, I give him credit for calling the Soviet Union an evil empire, because it was. However, this claim that the Strategic Defense Initiative, which so far has failed to accomplish anything meaningful, in spite of spending, what, $150, $200 billion on this uh, rat hole? A rat hole uh, referred to as the Star Wars system. Well, the idea that that spending <laughs> bankrupted the Soviet Union because they realized they couldn't afford to spend a similar amount is just wrong in every way. Both the U.S. and the USSR had the right to build a defensive missile weapon system since the early 1970s. Since they knew it wouldn't work, nobody ever bothered. In spite of what Edward Teller tried to tell Ronald Reagan in 1983, it still won't work. And even if we built one, it would be ridiculously easy to thwart. I don't know. It's crazy, and yet you still hear people repeating this nonsense. But a couple months ago, there was an interesting article in the London Times about, uh, about the reunification of Germany in, in the wake of the wall coming down, etc., uh, some documents apparently were released in, in September showing that in 1989, Britain's then-Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher made a personal appeal to Soviet President Gorbachev entreating him not to let communist East Germany, which was then part of the Soviet bloc, reunite with democratic West Germany. Apparently, Thatcher traveled to the Kremlin and asked Gorbachev to stop the tape recorders and note-takers and proceed to pour out her fears the United Germany would undermine the stability of the whole international situation and could even endanger British security. Pay no attention to what we Western leaders say in public, she told them. In private, she was perfectly happy to let the Soviets maintain their domination of Eastern Europe. Thatcher, said Mikhail Binion in, in the Times, uh, apparently may have been all for freedom, but she liked order and predictability even more. And the reports are that Thatcher wasn't even the most dismayed. Apparently, French President Francois Mitterrand was uh, totally horrified at the prospect of a united Germany. But then if you know anything about 20th century history, that, <laughs> that is somewhat understandable. I believe that the, the French uh, premier from World War I, Clemenceau, asked that he be buried facing Germany. Because he didn't trust him, and even in death, he wanted to keep an eye on him. But anyway, speaking uh, about the end of the Cold War, it's kind of nice to note that uh, Russian President Dmitry Medvedev said that, uh, well, a, a, a nuclear pact with the U.S. might be possible this year. 
President Obama and Medvedev said last April they were both committed to stopping the proliferation of nuclear arms, so we, uh, we hope that proceeds. Article also in New Scientist magazine about why the U.S.'s Star War missile defense lives on, unfortunately. The article talked about the shipborne Aegis system, where his mobile sensors are uh, ready to, uh, to defend and attack. Of course, there's nothing new under the sun here. They were talking about this system back in the 1980s and noted that every time they, had to, every time they played war games, these uh, Aegis ships failed to stop the aircraft carriers from going to the bottom in about the first 20 minutes of the exercises. I should say simulated exercises. And you know, if the Soviet Union stopped existing in 1991, why are we still trying to get more people into NATO? This is just promoting the Russians to have war games with Belarus, where they were, had a scenario where they would have to go through Poland or Lithuania to rescue Kalingrad, a little piece of Russia on the Baltic. Um, you know, a lot of wasted energy, a lot of wasted resources, uh, you know, but that's where the money is. And why we continue to, to spend vast amounts of resources on this is kind of like uh, it's kind of like that answer that bank robber Willie Sutton gave when a reporter asked him, "Why do you rob banks, Willie?" And of course, he famously replied, "Cause that's where the money is." Speaking of money, there's apparently a move uh, afoot in Canada when Queen Elizabeth passes on to make sure they don't put Prince Charles or whatever king name he's going to go by. They say maybe William, I guess. Uh, on the coins and currency of our neighbor to the north. Because I was thinking about it, you know, there was a Charles I and a Charles II back in the 1600s, and they didn't pan out so well. In fact, I believe Charles I got his head lopped off by the Puritans. And uh, speaking of remnants of communism, there was a fascinating article in the Sacramento Bee, reprinted from the Los Angeles Times article by Barbara Demick, noting how nostalgia for Mao is feeding a business boom across China. Article opened up wondering whether Mao Zedong is rolling around in his mausoleum over the prospect of all the uh, cash register bringing up the amazing array of uh, knickknacks that are sold with his likeness in China. Author wondered what he might think. Uh, He, the founder of uh, Communist China, who fretted about the serious tendency toward capitalism among the well-to-do peasants, well, think about this blithe assertion of a visitor to his birthplace who said, I think that what Chairman Mao really intended was for Chinese people to get rich. They noted that a Hunan province town, Mao's hometown, is expected to draw 3.5 million visitors this year, most of them Chinese pilgrims, paying their respects to the late leader of the People's Republic of China. Article notes that Mao's rehabilitation appears to have official sanction. In September, a film commissioned by the Communist Party to mark the 60th anniversary of communist rule depicted Mao as a jovial man of the people whose flaws, apparently in one scene he gets drunk after a battle victory, make him just more lovable. Article notes that uh, the cult of personality that surrounded Mao while he's alive is apparently still, uh, still flourishing after his death. Uh, they note that there's, these qua- that there's a quasi-religious uh, attitude uh, when people speak about him. A man named Shen Yong was a 21-year-old cab- taxi cab driver, was driving around with a plastic Mao affixed to his dashboard. <laughs> Said Mr. Shen, I definitely believe he will be blessing me. 
Yes, 60 years ago this year, the communists took over China and they're still in control. In fact, it was noted with uh, the fall of communism and the bringing down of the Berlin Wall, uh, Deng Xiaoping tried to uh, get his, uh, his fellow Chinese citizens and particularly his fellow Chinese Communist Party members to just be calm and, you know, ride this one out. In fact, as usual, some of the best articles about, uh, about this uh, 20 years uh, after the fall of the wall are in The Economist. By the way, The Economist being the uh, business-oriented, somewhat right-of-center magazine had this to say about this uh, Star Wars fantasy. Some credit Ronald Reagan's Star Wars dream of a missile defense shield with engineering the Soviet demise. Superior technology had threatened the Kremlin with a new, unaffordable arms race. Yet the Soviet Union could have still overwhelmed such defenses simply by turning out even more rockets, one reason the defenses were never built. Thank you. Let's take a short break, but before we do, let's see what our old pal Will Durst has to say. Well, thanks, Doug. And today, I'm wincing at the rude awakening the Democrats received on Tuesday from an alarm clock about 12 stories tall. Republicans regained the state houses in both Virginia and New Jersey, which is being touted by the GOP as a sign that the honeymoon between the American people and Barack Obama is sadly over. And since Democrats typically come equipped with a spine so soft and pliable, you could use it for window grouting, now with less calcium. It should come as no big surprise to hear a few liberals trying to weasel out of their new relationship. Trying to break the prenup, as it were. Couples therapy may be in order here. I would suggest double sessions twice a week. Although I'm pretty sure the union was consummated, so an annulment is probably out of the question. Of course, with these guys, you never know. Whenever a marriage breaks up or couples just drift apart, there's plenty of blame to go around. Everybody's a victim. Maybe there was too much excitement built up with all the premarital sex to actually sustain a relationship. On the other hand, the president's got to learn that in the heartland, there's not a lot of clamoring for metrosexuals to head the household. It's time to grow a pair. Less manicures, Mr. President, more power tools. Hopefully, there's still a chance to make this marriage work. No visible alienation of affection exists, and there's no way Joe Biden's going to be charged as a correspondent. Of course, the worst part of a breakup is always when children are involved. And yes, sadly, I am talking about Congress. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Anyway, you know, there's just, there's just not enough time to cover all we need to cover, but we'll do the best we can. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Let's take a short break. Mm-hmm. 